Welcome to the Community Hope Podcast. We exist to share hope with more people in more places. For more information on this podcast or our church, please visit communityhope.org. Now stay tuned for our Sermon of the Week. So we've, we've entitled this sermon series, Better, How to Make This Year Better Than Last Year. Um, because that's typically what we do when we look at a new year. We thought about calling it something different. We thought about calling it resolution. How to disappoint yourself in less than a month. Well, that didn't sound too positive, but uh, so we decided not to go with that. But there's something about resolutions, and it seems like whenever I ask this, this body of believers, how many of you make resolutions? I don't need about two or three hands. I understand that, because resolutions, they seem pretty weighty, right? Like resolution feels like a 180 degree change. Resolutions, they feel daunting. Now, but better, I can wrap my brain around. Like, better feels like one degree, be- like one degree better. I-, I can do one degree. 180, huh, I don't know. It seems daunting, but, but people still do it every single year. And-, and so I'm just curious. If I were to ask you, what do you think is the most common resolution people make at the beginning of the year, what do you think that would be? Talk amongst yourselves. What do you think it would be? Tell your neighbor, oh, this is what I think are the most common resolution people make every single year, okay? You're on Family Feud, and you're about to give your answer. What do you think the answer is for the most common resolution people make? Okay. All right, come back together. I'm just curious. How many of you thought it was losing weight? How many people think that was? Oh, yeah. Okay. I won't tell you. Okay. So how many people think, will think maybe when it comes to money, when it comes to spending, budgeting, I see a few hands. You guys must need to do that or something. That's why you're raising your hand. I don't know. but uh, No, maybe it wasn't uh, uh, nutrition, but maybe it was exercise. How many people thought it was learning exercise? Okay, most of you thought losing weight. I get it. I get it. Do you realize that it was, it's actually none of those? those the, for the past three years, the most Googled uh, search term for resolutions was this, how to be a better person. Last three years running, that was the most common resolution. And that's interesting, but, and, and which, is, which is good, which is, makes sense, because uh, I'm obsessed with better. I love better, because here's something I want to share with you. Being better is better than not being better. I don't see anyone writing that down. That's not a revelation to you? Being better is better than not being better, right? But... What if, what if possibly maybe being better just isn't all there is? What if there's another option? What if we talked about great? A great year is better than a better year, right? What if we could pursue greatness? Because, see, as I said, I'm obsessed with better, but better isn't the destination for me. Better is the pathway to great. That's what I want. I want great. I don't want just a better marriage. I want a great marriage. I don't want just a better relationship with my kids. I want a great relationship with my kids. I don't want to just be better in my finances. I want to be great. There's so many areas of my life, better isn't enough. Better for me is just a pathway towards something better. It's great. A great year is better than a better year. So we're going to talk about this question today. Can we be greater than better? I want you to ponder this. Can we be greater than better? Is there a way to make this our greatest year actually by being a better person? Today we're going to talk about a group of people who were upset. They, just, they thought better was as good as it got. 
until they had an encounter with Jesus, and then all of a sudden, great became a possibility. What if great was a possibility for us? Because I want to talk, I want to pause for just a minute, and I want to talk about the difference between greater and better. Can we be greater than better? What's the difference between better and great? It actually comes down to a principle, a concept that I, I want to talk to you for just a minute. It's, it's called the difference between scarcity and abundance. You will find yourself in one of two mindsets, either scarcity or abundance. And a lot of times, maybe we'll, we kind of flip-flop from one to the other. And let me t- explain to you what I mean by the difference between these two. Scarcity thinks that there's never enough. There's never enough time. There's never enough money. There's never enough of me to go around. There's never enough. That's a scarcity mentality. Abundance says there's always more. There's always more that I can pursue. There's always more that I can chase. There's always more. That's the difference between scarcity and abundance. You will find yourself in one of these two mindsets. It's really the difference between cake and candles. I'll tell you what I mean. If I have a cake and I cut a slice of it off and I give a piece to you, I have less, right? But if I have a candle that's lit and your candle isn't and I give you some of my light, that doesn't diminish mine in any way, does it? That's the difference between scarcity and abundance. Scarcity says there's only so much and what I have is never enough. And this way of thinking, it creeps into every area of our lives. Scarcity is driven by need. Well, I don't know if I really need that. Abundance is driven by a dream. I'm going to go out and chase that. There's a difference, so much of a difference. Scarcity is focused on where I am. Abundance is focused on where I'm going. Scarcity is all about how things are. How things are. Abundance is thinking about how things could be. How they could be. There's a huge difference between being obsessed with need and there's never enough. And I'm only focused on where I am and how things are when I believe that the creator of the universe wants us to step into an abundance mentality. Abundance. Scarcity thinks small and avoids risk. Abundance thinks big and tries to find opportunities. There's a huge difference between these mindsets. Scarcity is focused on problems. Abundance sees every problem as a possibility. Abundant-minded people are obsessed with the power of possibility. And finally... Scarcity is a pessimistic, fear-driven view where abundance is optimistic and filled with faith. Does any of this sound familiar to you? That we're faith-filled, big-thinking, risk-takers? See, I want to invite anyone in this room over into an abundance mentality. I've spent years in a scarcity mentality. Years. And little by little, God has begun to break me out of that and help me step into abundance. And I'm still tempted to sink back into scarcity. I'm still tempted to come back over here. And so when you look at this list, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand, but I want you to think about this. Which one of these do I tend to find myself in more often? In scarcity or in abundance? Where do I tend to find myself? If you're not sure, I'm going to give you a little test, and this will tell you where you tend to find yourself, okay? We're right now here in Iowa. Let me look. It is one degree, officially. Isn't that just wrong? It is one degree outside. 23 below wind chill here in Iowa, okay? 
you're on Facebook, and you see one of your friends, and they have posted a picture that looks like this. Where does your brain go? Is it jealousy? Well, why do they get that? Why do they deserve that? I wish I was on a vacation. I wish I was sitting on a beach. They don't deserve that. They shouldn't have that. I'll never get to have that. I'll never get to go on vacation like they do. What does this trigger in your brain? Yes, those are my feet. I'm going to have to tell you that. Uh, and actually, when I posted this picture, I literally said, I hate it when all my friends do post these pictures, but I'm about to post one. This was years ago for me. But it shows us a different mentality, the difference between scarcity and abundance. Abundance goes, man, that's awesome that they get to do that. That's going to inspire me. I'm going to save up my money, and I'm going to go on vacation. I want to be sitting on the beach too. If they can have it, I can have it. Abundant-minded people think differently than scarcity-minded people. But I'm just going to warn you, if you decide to step into this mentality... The people stuck in scarcity will not like it one bit. They won't. People who are stuck in scarcity don't like being around people who are, are abundant-minded people. They don't like it. it. It makes them jealous. It makes them frustrated. They just want to talk about you, and they just want to throw rocks. Because, again, I've been here. I've lived here, and I was threatened by abundant-minded people too until finally I allowed God to use those people in my life to inspire me to step into abundance instead of being threatened and intimidated by them. It's the difference between lion and sheep. Sheep just follow everybody else, and they hope just to get a little bit more. They hope to just get a little bit better. A lion operates on a different plane, and lions intimidate sheep. They do. This is a reality that we live in. And here's the crazy thing about scarcity versus abundance. This has nothing to do with your income. You can have a dollar or you can have a million and still be stuck in scarcity. You can. It's a mindset. It's a mindset, and so much of it is ingrained into us from the time that we're born. It's ingrained into us. So how do we step out of it? Final thing I want to show you between the two differences, between these two mindsets is this. Scarcity says the more I give, the more I lose. Abundance says, the more I give, the more I get. This is though how you can step out of scarcity into abundance. You actually give your way out of it. Because I'll give you a prime example of someone in my life. I know I talk about her a lot, but it's my grandma. My grandma was born into and lived through the Great Depression. And if you've ever been around somebody who was born into or lived through the Great Depression, you talk about scarcity. Okay, my grandmother... You didn't use a whole paper towel if you could use a fourth of a paper towel. Okay? Because that was just ingrained in her. Because you, you, there's only so much. And when you've lived through almost starving to death, it affects you down to the core of who you are. My grandfather would store little jars of change. They were, store, they were hid all throughout the house because you never knew when you just might need it. Because when you've went through something like that, it's just ingrained into you. That scarcity mentality was ingrained into her you know how she broke her way out of it she gave her way out of it she gave her way into an abundant mentality because she just believed the word of god that is more blessed to give than to receive she gave her way out of scarcity and today i want to talk to you about a group of people the disciples who were trapped in a scarcity mentality and jesus invited them into abundance 
because they were challenged with the same concept of better versus great. And they were stuck in scarcity. They were stuck in better until they encountered Jesus. And then they started to ask a question. Can it be possible that we can be greater than better? So before we step into the scripture passage that we're going to read today, I feel like I need to give you a little background. Because the background I'm going to give you, you don't find when you read the Gospels. But it colors everything that you read. And it changes the way that you read. Because when you read it, you're kind of taking it back. And so here's the context of what I'm going to talk about. That when Jesus walked up to some fishermen and he said, come follow me, and they dropped everything and they followed him. Have you ever found that odd? When I read that, I find that odd. Like, did Jesus glow or something? Did Jesus have angels singing? Like, wherever he went? Because who does that? Imagine just some random guy walking up to your job site. He's like, come follow me. And you're like, you drop everything and you just follow him. Like, that just seems weird, doesn't it? It seems odd. Here's the background which makes that kind of story make sense. The educational system, the first century Jewish educational system, this is the way it worked. All young Jewish boys would go to get their education. Sorry, ladies, you weren't invited. It was a very sexist culture. But all the little boys, they would go and they would receive their education. And if you're in school right now, all my young people, be grateful that this is not how it works today. What would be equivalent to our elementary school is called Bet Midrash. These young little Jewish boys would memorize the first five books of the Hebrew scriptures. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Have you ever tried to read those books? They memorized them word for word in elementary school. All five books. When they were complete with this level, the best of the best would then move on to what would be equivalent to our high school. And in high school, then you would memorize the rest of the Hebrew scriptures. From Joshua to Malachi. So when you graduated high school, you had the entirety of the Hebrew scriptures memorized word for word. Now after this level, the best of the best would then go and pursue a rabbi. They would go and interview with a rabbi. And that rabbi would drill them with questions. Okay, quote for me Isaiah. (laughs) I'm going to sit back. I'll give you an hour, you know? Like he just drilled them with questions and see how prepared and how studious and how hard they really, how bad they really wanted this. And then if they were the best of the best of the best, they would hear these words from from their potential rabbi. He would say to them in Hebrew, Lech Hakarai, come follow me. It was the words that every Jewish boy dreamed of hearing because it was the invitation of a lifetime. And only the best of the best of the best would receive that invitation to then become that rabbi's disciple and just follow them around and watch them do life. And he would just give them lesson after lesson after lesson. It wasn't like today where you sat in rows and they just taught you when it was convenient. No, you did life with them. You lived life with them. I mean, they would... would, it's like if they were a carpenter, they would do carpentry work, and they would just talk while they did it. They, you receive hundreds and hundreds of lessons every single day. You constantly follow them around to the point where the blessing of that day was, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And that you literally follow them around so closely that when they kicked up dust from their feet, it hit, landed on you. And that's the, way that, that's the way you were educated. So I gave you all that background for this. So then when Jesus shows up to this boat full of men, and he says to them, let Hakarai, come follow me. That's why they dropped everything and they followed 
Jesus. Because I'm just guessing Peter, James, and John in that boat smelling like fish. And Jesus says to them, Lech Hakari. And they're probably looking around going, Lech Hakari who? Like, Jesus, do you know why I'm fishing? Because I'm a rabbi school dropout. If you weren't good enough to consider to pursue education, you would go take up the family business, which was for them fishing. Matthew was even worse than that. He didn't even take up the family business. He became a traitor to his country, and he became a tax collector. And so when Jesus walks up to him and says, Lek Hakari, the fisherman who still smell like fish, you're like, no, no, no. If you call him, I'm out. This was an invitation of a lifetime. They were like, but Jesus, like, I, ne- I, was, I wasn't good enough, and now you're telling me I'm good enough? All of a sudden, see, they were trapped in this scarcity, I just need a little bit better mentality. As a fisherman, they had no future. And Jesus gives them the invitation of a lifetime. He says, I'm inviting you to step into greatness. Let Hakari, come follow me. It changed everything. It was the invitation of a lifetime. That's why they dropped their nets and say, you got it, Dad, I'm going with this guy. It was the invitation of a lifetime. And then they began to spend time with Jesus, and they began to hear his teaching day after day, week after week, month after month. They heard his teaching, and they began to finally ask this question. Is greatness possible for me? Can I be greater than better? And so now, with that set up, I'm going to give you a, a conversation they had with Jesus that was pretty shocking. It shows you how dramatically their mindset had changed from I'm just going to fish and hopefully have enough money to pay, pay, I don't know, pay off the donkey. I don't know what they were worried about in those days. But they stepped into something greater. Jesus has this interesting conversation with them. Mark chapter 10, if you want to follow along. Mark chapter 10, Jesus says this to them. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. Hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And like every time that Jesus said stuff like this, the disciples were just scratching their heads. And then he says another line, but three days later, he will rise. And the the disciples, they, they just don't get it. They're confused. But then their follow-up to Jesus after he says this is just fascinating to me. Here we go in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, you know the fishermen, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, we're sorry about that whole condemnation, beating, flogging, spitting, dying for us. That all sounds, that all sounds too bad. But, but, but while we're at it, could, would you do for us whatever we ask? You ever had someone come to you and say, hey, will you do me a favor? What's your first response? <laughs> I don't know. It depends. What do you want? I love the way Jesus responds because it's just, it, I know we don't have the, the, what his tone of voice was or what his face looked like, but I just like to imagine. <laughs> what do you want me to do for you, he asked. This just feels like, what a, like a mom rolling her eyes at a teenage, you know, teenage daughter or something. Oh, dying for you isn't enough. Well, what would you like for me to do for you? This is how they respond. This is what he says next in verse 37. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Again, we're sorry to hear about that you're going to be condemned and flogged. And like, and, while, and just by the way, while that's happening, we're going to be hiding off somewhere. But once that's over and you're in your glory, we want to sit at your left and your right. 
look at the audacity of this. But, see, I see this through different eyes now. See, what had happened is they started to believe Jesus' teaching. They started to believe that greatness was a possibility for them, and they wanted it. They wanted greatness. The problem is, is they had a different interpretation of greatness than Jesus did. And they, on some level they got it. It's like, okay, we're sorry to hear about all that bad stuff, but once that's over and you're sitting in glory, we want to sit on your left and your right. And look at what happens in, in verse, in verse 30, 41. When the ten, or the rest of the disciples heard about this, they were indignant with James and John. Whenever I read this, I'm like, of course they were. I'm like, how rude can you be, James and John? Like, okay, that's great, you're going to die for us and all, but, but we just got one more thing to ask. Can we sit next to you in your glory? I just thought they were ticked off because of how rude James and John are. No, they were ticked off because they didn't think of it first. Right? Like, hold, hold on. Okay, so James, you're going to sit on his left. John, you're going to sit on his right. Where am I sitting in the back? I don't want to sit in the back. They were mad. Why? Because they didn't think of it first. They were indignant. And so John, Jesus realizes, okay, this is the teaching moment. <laughs> Okay, gang, bring it in, <laughs> bring it in. So he calls them together like a good coach. All right, everybody take a knee. All right, we got a teaching moment here. You know that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And the disciples are nodding their hair, like, head, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we get it. And that's what we want to do. Like, we want to be great because that's what great people do. Great people lord it over other people. Great people exercise their authority over us. And you know what? You've just finally got us to believe that we could be great. And so, yeah, we want it. We want to be great. This is what great people do, and we're, we're in. That's what we want. In fact, you know what? We've spent our whole lives, the, the Romans lording it over us, the great people lording it over us, and now we figure it, you're our ticket to greatness. So, yeah, we're, we're tracking with you, and this is what we want. We want to do this. We want to lord it over other people. We want to exercise our authority over it. They're shaking their heads going, yeah, yeah, that's what we want. And Jesus goes, not so with you. Not so with you. I've got a different path to greatness. My greatness looks different than the greatness that you're thinking about. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, disciples are on the edge of their seat. Like, yeah, 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 okay, tell us. Tell us. How do we get this greatness? Because you finally got us to believe that we can have it. We want it. So how do we get this greatness? How do we get to sit in glory? Tell us how we can get it. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And as I said, I know the disciples looked confused a lot. I'm guessing they didn't look any more confused than what they did right now in this moment. Like, hold up, Jesus. What are you talking about? <laughs> Servants aren't great. Servants serve the great people. Great people have servants. Servants aren't great. What are you talking about? And what's this nonsense? Whoever wants to be first must be a slave. Apparently, you don't understand how the pecking order works. Slaves are last. Okay, they're at the bottom. They're owned by the great people. They're owned by the people who are in first. Don't you understand how this works? There's first Okay, Jesus, pause for just a minute. Let me show you how this works. There's first, and then there's second. Second, by the way, is first loser. Okay, you understand how this works? And then down here at the bottom, you got slaves. They're last. So what's this nonsense? They're first. What are you talking about? Jesus is blowing their minds. He says, I've got a different idea of what greatness looks like. So 
Now I want us to pause for a minute in our, in our first century Jewish context, and now I want us to come into America 2020. When we read this now in America, well, on some level we get it. We've heard about servant leadership. Servant leadership was not a concept when Jesus was talking about this. It wasn't a concept. Jesus is introducing an entirely new concept. Us, 2020 in America, we look at this and we get it because guess what? We've had people do this for us. We've had people do this for us. I'm almost 44 years old. My parents have served me their entire lives. I realize the blessings I have is because I get to stand on the shoulders of other people. I realize that. The blessings I have in my life is because other people exercise this principle, that they put others first. And we've talked about this again and again and again, but we just need to be reminded of it. When we go to someone's funeral, what do we celebrate? The value of a life is always determined by how much of it's given away. We always celebrate what they gave away. We celebrate what? What We celebrate them doing this. The people that we celebrate today weren't always the people who came in first, but those who put others first. Those are the people that we celebrate. Why do we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr.? Because he lived a life of he knew, I'm putting myself on the line, and it could cost me everything, but I'm doing this for you. We celebrate people, not only always who came in first, but who put others first. We see this played out, but it's difficult for us to walk it out. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. This is still hard for me to read because I don't want to be a slave. I don't. There's something inside of me that pushes back against that. I, even today, I think, no, well, that, that's not what first looks like, Jesus. Like, really? And then he says this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If anyone deserved to be served, it was Jesus. If anyone deserved for other people to serve him, it was Jesus. But he said, no, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I actually came to give my life away. And my, God's economy, greatness, looks different. It looks different than it does in our world. It looks vastly different. Today, I want to ask you the question is, can we be greater and better? Can we pursue something that's different? I believe that working on yourself is a great thing. That's what we typically think about when it comes to resolutions. We're working on ourselves, right? I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to get on a budget. I want to I exercise. I want to do all these things. Why? To make myself better. I believe working on yourself is a great thing. I constantly work on myself. Working on yourself is a great thing. Thing. I don't diminish that in any way, shape, or form. But if it's the only thing, it will actually limit your greatness. If that's the only thing that you do is to think about me, me improving me, and that's all that you think about, it's actually going to limit your greatness. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell them. I don't know that the disciples were too worried about losing 10 pounds or going to the gym, but they had, they had a different definition of what being better and being great was like. This is what it looks like for us in America. And so we have to be thinking about these these different concepts. To serve is greater than being served is what Jesus is telling them. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
living for others is actually living like Jesus. Jesus takes our operating system and he flips it on its head. And this is challenging for us to live out day after day. I believe that resolutions can make you better. I love setting goals. I love setting resolutions. I love making plans. I love chasing after things. And I always want to get better. But actually serving others, that's what's going to make you greater. That's what's going to make you greater. So for me, I have to pursue better with a different mindset than what you may typically think of. I want to grow financially so that I can have more to give. I want to stay fit physically so that I have more energy so that I can give more. I want to become better relationally. Why? So that I have more to give. I want to constantly increase my capacity, not so I can just sit back and go, wow, look at how great I am. No, that I actually have a better capacity to give more away. I have more to serve. So if better is the destination, you'll never get there. But if better is the pathway to greatness, I'm increasing my capacity. Why? So I have more to give away. I'll have more to give away. Last couple thoughts I want to challenge you with. I believe that we're greater when we make another other's life better. That's when we're greater. That's when we're greater. Now, I want to I illustrate this for a minute. So I asked the worship team to help me. So I'm asking them to come on the stage if they would. All right, I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you a jar of marbles. I have six of you, and I have three jars, so I need you to, to pair up with a jar of marbles. I need three of you to be on one side of me and three on the other. Come on over here, Heath. There we go. All right, cool. You get, that didn't really work out evenly, but that's okay. So we, we, talked about this, we talked about this last week, how that each one of these marbles represents a moment, Okay. And we said that small, consistent things over time lead to big things, right? So this marble is going to represent a moment, a moment in my life. And that we talked about how each one of those moments, I can use those to better myself and, that, and, better myself, and that's going to mount up over time, okay? But now I want us to think about a different concept, okay? So I'm, I'm this empty jar, and I'm surrounded by all these other friends of mine, and each one of them they get up every single day, and they realize that God has gifted them with these different moments. And they can take every single one of those moments and be focused on themselves and making themselves better. Or they can say, God, what can I do with this moment that's actually going to bless somebody else? Is there, can I take this moment and invest in somebody else? Okay, so I want you guys to scoot in just a little bit. We didn't practice this, so this might be, this might be difficult. Bring it on around this way. There you go. Okay, so I got my jar Okay, so now don't you guys just start taking turns one at a time and just start putting marbles in my jar. Look at the impact that other people can have on someone else's life. When you realize, okay, God, you've given me moments today, and I can take every one of my moments and think about myself, or I can look at someone else's life and say, how can I take this moment and bless them. What would our world look like? Not if everybody did this, but if just believers, if just followers of Jesus Christ got up in the morning and said, God, you've given me a lot of moments today. How can I give one of those moments away? How can I give multiple of those moments away? What would start to happen in someone else's life? I want you to see that this person could be someone in your family. 
this person could be someone that you work with. This person could be someone that you interact with, that they're going into their day and they are empty, but they are surrounded by other people who are saying, what can I do to invest in you? All right, we're going to pause there because it's starting to get weird. Look at the impact that can happen. If I get up every day and say, okay, God, you've given me more than enough. What can I give away today? What would the lives of someone else look like? And see, here's the thing I want you to see, is the enemy of your soul wants to talk you out of this because it seems so small and so insignificant. Does it really matter if you send that text? Does it really matter if you reach out to them and tell them that you're praying for them? Does it really matter? Yeah, it matters. It matters. When we all start to do this, look at the impact that we can have. Okay, you guys can put your marbles down and grab your instruments. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. You guys were... Fantastic marble movers. That's why I picked them, because I knew they would be great at it. We're greater when we make another's life better. So this is something I want you to ponder. I'm going to step on a marble, and I'm going to break my neck. I want to challenge you that you can be greater than better. That this year could maybe be the greatest year why because all of a sudden you're you're faced with a different set of circumstances because we, we live in a world that would constantly try to bait you into thinking that, that I just got to get up today and I got to take care of me I just got to get a little bit more from me that's what better says and I'm not asking again I'm not asking you to give up better I'm just asking you to consider could better be the pathway to great? Could better be the pathway to great? Because see, I just decided a long time ago that I'm going to be, do, and have more than most people. But if me just being, doing, and having is just for Brad Singleton, that's going to limit my greatness. But if I say I'm going to be, do and have more so that I can bless more people, so that I can give more away, so that I can impact more people for the, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the pathway, the door to greatness has now been opened because that's what Jesus said greatness looks like. Jesus modeled that for us. He said, I'm going to show you what great looks like and it's, kinda, it's not kind of messy, it's really messy. It's him being nailed to a cross and giving his life away for the sins of the world, he said, that's what greatness is. Greatness is when actually when you lay your life down for someone else. And it's one thing to sit for us and just to ponder this. It's another thing for us to live this out. But you know how we do it? One moment at a time. That's how we do it. One moment at a time at a time, in that moment, you can pause and say, okay, God, how can you use me to bless somebody else? How can you use me to bless somebody else? See, and that's why we've, we've structured our church off this model. We said there's three things that we're going to be about. We want you to come on a Sunday morning and experience God. And then we want you to, to step into community where you can begin to have that interaction where someone gives something to you and you give something to them and you begin to have this interaction. But then the third thing is we're actually wanting to invite you to become family where family says, I'm going to give my life away. We're going to share hope with as many people in as many places that we can. God is using community hope 
to impact the world because a group of people have said, God, how can you use my mark? How can you use me? Would you stand with me? I do this every single week, but I believe that there's power in it. Right now, I want you to imagine that you're holding a marble in your hand. It represents the moments of your life where you have the opportunity to give your life away. Would you be willing to come to God with open hands and say, God, I gave you my marble. Would God just begin to would you, so we're just going to do that right now. If you're willing to say, God, I want greatness. And you say greatness is giving my life away. Right now in this moment, I say, teach me in that. If that's you, would you put your open hands out in front of you? God, here you go. Use the moments of my life. Use the moments of my life to give it away. God, would you just help me to step out of scarcity? Help me to step into abundance. Help me to realize that the more I give doesn't mean the more I lose, the more I give, the more I get. Help me to live that out, God. Help me to live that out. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing that song again. I believe the goodness of God. Because again, this is us celebrating the abundance that we can step into in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the whole purpose for God's abundance in our lives is it so that we could bless others? Let's sing together. If you were impacted by this sermon or if you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Community Hope on Facebook and Instagram or at our website, communityhope.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next week. Hope has it made.